We're looking at our passage this morning from John chapter 14. And this morning I want to read verses 10 through 14. And we'll be dealing uh, kind of just briefly before we pray a very uh, fitting uh, topic or subject for our devotional this morning, uh, simply entitled, Ask in My Name. Uh, Ask in My Name. John 14, beginning there in verse 10. Of course, Jesus is still responding to Philip, and Philip's question from last week uh, was, or his request was, Lord, show us the Father and we'll be sufficed. We'll have all that we need to know. And of course, Jesus responded to him by telling him that if you've seen me, you have seen the Father. So this is part of that conversation uh, that was taking place. So Jesus continues to question Philip regarding these things. He says in verse 10, Believest thou not that I am in the Father, and the Father in me? The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me. He doeth the works. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father in me, or else believe me for the very works' sake. Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believeth on me, the works that I do, shall he do also. And greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. And whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son, if ye shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. Now, there's a lot we could speak about in in verses 10 through 14, and and my intention this morning is really to direct our attention to verses 13 and 14, when Jesus here is speaking specifically about prayer. And you'll notice in verses 13 and 14, he does give us this promise and this comforting thought about prayer being effective. Now, I understand that when we use terms like effective and we use terms like that prayer works and we do those kind of things, sometimes we certainly will get the wrong impression of what the purpose of prayer is and why we are to pray. And it is not that so that we can change God's mind or it's not that we can get what we want. Uh, But what it does promise us here is that there is an effectiveness to prayer that Jesus Christ is promising here. Notice the way that he expresses this. He says, whatsoever ye shall ask. Now, a lot of times individuals get caught right there and they say, I know the Bible teaches somewhere that whatsoever I ask, he'll do. Well, but you notice what he says, and this is key. Whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, I will do. So people misinterpret that and say, okay, well, I'm just going to ask for whatever I want, and then I'm going to say, in Jesus' name, and I get what I want. Well, that's not what Jesus meant at all. What he is saying here, though, when you continue to read, is he says that whatever you shall ask in my name, that will I do. And here's the, here is the very purpose of it, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. So contextually, we understand fully here that Jesus is saying, certainly whatever you ask in my name that brings glory to the Father through the Son, I will do that. And so there is a great comfort in, there's a great comfort in knowing that. And I, and I think it's important to also uh, take note of the fact that Jesus doesn't recommend prayer as something that's just simply a spiritual discipline that we should get good at. In other words, he doesn't treat prayer as just as, hey, this is something you really need to get good at. It needs to become a discipline. Now, is it good? Absolutely. Should we uh, set ourselves aside and come apart uh, to have our mind settled and our hearts and meditate upon the spiritual truths? Absolutely. But you find that what he's saying here is he's not using prayer as one of many different means to put yourself in a disciplined state or a meditative state. 
he's speaking directly about what prayer is. And prayer here, of course, he's at, he says, if you ask in my name that the Father may be glorified, if you shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. So we see there's a communication, right? So prayer is communicating with God. And Jesus clearly says that when you pray in my name, you will receive what you ask. Now, one of the great texts that we've looked at recently in our our studies uh, during our 1130 Sunday services has been our study through the book of 1 John. And back in 1 John 3, one of these great promises the Apostle John made mention of in that book. Uh, He says, Beloved, if our heart condemn us not, then we have confidence toward God. And whatsoever we ask, we receive of him because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. So we have this confidence, and that's what's being spoken of here when Jesus speaks to Philip, the confidence that whatsoever you ask in my name, I will do, in order that the Father may be glorified in the Son. So you see the connection again between prayer is not just a spiritual discipline, but rather it is an actual communication with God that we have in confidence. Now, quickly, by way of a review, as we've been looking at John 14, Jesus has been reminding Philip and even us as the readers today that the Lord our God is one God, yet is in three persons. The Father and the Son are one in essence. They're one in divine attributes. They're one in purpose. They're one in perfection. The Father is in the Son, and the Son is in the Father. Jesus is putting all these things together, and he's saying, Philip, do you believe this? He's not just saying, do you believe in the power of prayer? He is saying, do you believe in these, this unity of the Father and the Son and that they are equal in these divine attributes? And that's what he means in verse 10 when he says, believest thou not that I am in the Father? There is this emphasis that Jesus is putting on the oneness of the Father and the Son before he ever gets to making request for prayer. He says, if you see me, you've seen the Father, Philip. Now he's telling him when we see verses 13 and 14, if you hear me, Philip, you hear the Father. The words I speak, he goes on, are the words of the Father who sent me and dwells in me. So Jesus himself is saying, Philip, the words that I'm speaking here are the words of the Father. So by looking at me, Jesus says, you see the Father. By hearing me, you hear the Father. So very important theological uh, statements that are being made here. So the words that Christ spoke and the works that Christ did are not just himself, but also the words of the Father who sent him and also dwelt in him. Now, think quickly about the disciples and think about verse 11. When he says, believe me, it's the second time he's used the word believe. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for the very work's sake. There is a suggestion here, and we know this from studying the lives of the disciples, that at times the faith of the disciples wavered. There was times when it was not as strong as it should have been. And here Jesus is encouraging Philip and all hearers, believe my words. These are not just mere words that I speak. These are words of the Father. These are words of God. These are words that are the exact perfect revelation of these Old Testament scriptures. So Jesus is saying, Philip, the very words that I speak and the works that I do, these things alone reveal that I am come from the Father. And isn't it interesting? He says, even if you don't believe this, believe me for the very work's sake. 
Very powerful encouragement to the disciples here before Jesus even gives these comforting words of instruction to prayer. So look at verse 12. Verily, verily, or truly, truly, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do, shall he do also, and the greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. Now Jesus here is mainly referring to the disciples who, by their belief on him, we know, and and we're studying this on Wednesday night, we're going to get to that uh, time of the coming of the Holy Spirit but he knows and he's promising them and reminding them that these beliefs in, this belief in me, you are going to perform miracles. You are going to perform greater works than what you've already seen. Notice he says, greater works shall ye do. Now, these works are spiritual works, and these works uh, would encompass the preaching of the gospel, even to the Gentile world. So the works that he's speaking of are greater works. And he says, I go unto my father and he gives all of that foundation. And then he says, and whatsoever you shall ask. You cannot disconnect verse 13 from what he has said about the greater works that the disciples are going to do. They are going to be able to perform miracles. And they did. They're going to go forth. They're going to preach the gospel even to the Gentile world. And they did. This was the proof that they had been sent by God. Now, these miracles, right, as we have received the entirety of the word of God, these miracles are gradually have disappeared and they're not necessary to prove the authenticity or the authority in which God speaks. We have the word of God, full, complete. We don't need anybody else to to confirm it. We have the authoritative scriptures. That's what brings us to these two connections now. Right? So if we didn't review those, and I just isolate this text, verses 13 and 14, our prayer would be misguided. We would pray thinking, oh, I know what it says in John 14, 13, whatsoever I ask, God's going to give it to me. Now, there is a connection between verse 13 and 14 and definitely to verse 12, which we just read. Here Jesus is talking to and primarily specifically about these apostles. Now, what does he mean when he tells them about these things? He's telling the disciples that there is no miracle, there is no work that is beyond their ability to perform as long as they do it in the name of Christ. Now, that's key. That's key to understand. Remember, contextually, he's talking to the disciples. These disciples were going to go out and perform miracles. And he's telling them that when you ask in my name to perform these miracles and to do these greater works, they are going to be accomplished as long as they are done in the name of Christ for the purpose and the glory of the Father being Son, being seen in the Son, right? So remember that as long as what they were praying for in his name serve the glory of God, These are the things that said, all of these things shall be given unto you. To ask in Christ's name then means what? To ask in Christ's name is to plead and to rely only upon his merit, only upon his intercession, and depending upon his name to do the greater works, right? We cannot ask anything of God in our own name. I can't go in my name alone and go before a holy God and ask God to give me anything. But what he does say is that when you ask in his name and the father may be glorified in the son, 
So by way of application, we're not praying this morning that God would give us the ability to perform a miracle, right? I'm not praying this morning that I might be able to, to touch one of the many people in our church, by the way, who are sick right now. We've got a lot of people sick. I'm not praying this morning for the miracles to have them come before me and me to put my hands on them and heal them. That's not what we pray for. That's not what we're necessarily asking for. Can God heal? Absolutely. But the connection here is the reality that every miracle that they were going to do, every work that they were going to do was to serve and be done for the glory of God. Every miracle that Jesus performed was not a miracle in and of itself. It was the miracles were intended to preach and glorify Jesus Christ and his heavenly father. So how does that apply to our prayer life? Every one of our desires today, every one of our prayer requests should meet that criteria. Everything we pray about should be directed to God in the name of Christ. So that in everything that we do, everything that we say, everywhere that we go, that Christ is honored by what we do and what we say. This is the type of prayer that Christ is saying, I will answer, or the Father will answer these prayers if they are asked in my name. Now think about the significance of this. Jesus here speaking is saying that you ask in my name. He is not afraid to take that authority and say to these disciples, the only way you're getting to the Father in your prayer is through me. That's a bold statement. If he's not the Messiah, if he's not God, to make that kind of a claim that you can get to the Father, but you can only get to the Father through me, is the boldest of all statements that Jesus ever makes. So we started off by saying prayer is certainly effective, and we did say prayer works, but now we have a better understanding that this is not simply that we may benefit personally, right? But when I do find myself in trouble, when I do find myself in a time of affliction, I find myself in a time of illness, I can take comfort in realizing that things that are asked in the name of Christ to glorify the Father, he says he will do. What does that mean? That means there clearly is and has been answered prayer. So when someone says to us, God answered my prayer, right? God does answer prayer. God does work through our circumstances and our situations, but also remember that God also brings that situation to us. We are sovereignly afflicted. Sometimes it's for correction. Sometimes it's for chastisement. Sometimes it is for our edification. Believe it or not, illness and sickness brings edification to us. Sometimes illness does simply this. It stops us long enough to think upon the truths of the word of God. Now, nobody says, God, make me sick because I want to meditate upon your word more. Right? That's just not our human nature. But we do know that the scriptures do teach us that if we will rely and meditate and feed upon the character of Christ, right? If every one of our prayers that we make today is for the glory of God, glorified through the Son towards the Father, it says God will do what we ask. So let me just apply this and ask you just these questions before we pray today. Personally, again, I might answer this question differently than you. How has the Lord given you personal peace during times of affliction? How has the Lord given you peace, right? Secondly, and sometimes most importantly, 
What lessons did he teach you? And then thirdly, how did you glorify him in ways that you would never have glorified him before if the affliction had never come? You know, those are three very searching questions. The Lord did give you peace. How did he do it? What lessons did he teach you through that time? But then thirdly, is that really that application of we're applying it? How, do we, how did I glorify him in that affliction? And asking myself the challenging question, would I have been able to glorify him if the affliction had never come in the first place? Remember, the disciples were going to face great affliction. So Jesus is preparing them for what was on the horizon. So may God receive all the glory and praise for this this morning and may be an encouragement to our hearts. Amen.